Are you ready for common sense retirement planning advice? Tired of the noise coming out of mainstream financial media that doesn't always have your best interest at heart? Looking for someone who will answer the tough questions that applies to your money? Well, welcome to the Plan to Retire podcast. All right, today on the Plan to Retire podcast, we got a couple special guests, which are really going to be interesting. I think to give you some good information about generators. Got this idea about a month or two ago when the news hit about all the crazy weather they had down in Texas and some of the circumstances where the folks are without power for a long time and got me thinking about, like we all do every once in a while, maybe it's time for me to buy that generator. And I thought, well, if I buy that generator, I need to know a little bit more about it. Well, I have the opportunity, uh, full disclosure here at Plan to Retire is both of the gentlemen are with me today are with firms that I have a business relationship with. So I don't want anyone to know that we have that transparency, but that doesn't mean they're not experts in their field and they know what they're doing. With us, we have David McDonald with Apparatus Repair and Engineering. They are a shop that installs and sells the generators. And also we have Mike Radiker with MEC Electrical in Hagerstown, who also serves as the electrical firm and does a lot of installs on the electrical side with the generators. So with that, David, tell me a little bit about you and what does apparatus repair and engineering do as it relates to generators and what kind of things you think we should know about that? Sure. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate that, Jeff. Honestly, with apparatus repair and engineering, we are a shop, an electric motor company by nature, but we have a lot of services that we branch out, one and primarily to include generators. We provide service, sales, installation, well, from a startup standpoint. And we really find out that what customers are looking for the most is really varying from one customer to the next. What one company or, or company or individual or family or whatever the case might be really ranges depending on what their needs and necessities are. Some people are wanting to have a house generator where everything that they run on a, every single day doesn't change when the power goes out. Other individuals, maybe they're not so much interested on being able to run their microwave or not interested on their coffee machine or whatever the case might be, but they're more focused on maybe they have to have a pacemaker for someone else or for themselves that if the power goes out, that is an essential part of their everyday life. So, that's really where we come into place to find out where exactly or what are those guidelines that that individual or family might really be in need of and what do they deem as absolute necessities. That's where I, I don't want to jump over to our other host here, but that's really where we go so well in hand in hand in determining electrical needs and then sizing up the generator to meet those needs of what each individual or organization or family might need. Got it. Uh, good info. Now, Mike, where does MEC fit into this? Well, thank you, Jeff, for having us on here today. Appreciate the time to kind of go over a few things and explain what the generator world consists of. And I, like David, provide the electrical portion of a generator installation. And we've worked hand in hand, our companies together with those situations and basically comes down to what David had said as far as what is the customer looking for? 
And at that point, we determine our installation approach from that with that information, gathering loads, you know, as far as what's needed and what's not needed, what's necessary and not necessary per se. And we put together a package that goes hand in hand with the generator that is being supplied from somebody like ARE. So, you know, the installation itself is is fairly simple for someone like us, obviously. And it, it comes down to, like I said, what they're after, what they need, and location of the installation. What percentage of people? I know I talk about generators. I've talked to people in the past. You know, you can get like certain main elements of your house that you want to control or the whole thing. You know, if you want to be that guy that sets the beacon in the neighborhood when everyone else is, is out of power. Mike, what percentage of people go for the whole house option versus just the main elements? Quite a few. And mm-hmm. it's very interesting, you know, back, I would say probably five, 10 years ago, roughly, the whole house approach was almost too much to absorb. But with technology now, and David can probably elaborate a little bit more on that, but I'll just touch base on it. They've allowed you to use a much smaller generator to protect that whole house using the technology to monitor your loads because they're not needed at every given moment when the power's out. So it it isolates certain loads and, and watches them. And when there's a demand for them to come on, it looks at the generator and the generator says, okay, yep, you can run. And it appeases that load and it allows you to have a much smaller generator size. David, can you tell us a little bit more about that? It almost sounds like, am I off base here? It's almost kind of like a variable system, like you see in some HVAC systems now that have variable speed fans. It actually has really advanced, just like Mike said, over, I'd say the last two to three years, we've seen some major increases in the technological advance in generators. So just when you see a generator, you have to also take into consideration that there is a transfer switch or the service side of it, which is communicating with the generator, telling the generator when to come on and what to operate. And I I can speak for Kohler as a brand name. That's who, as ARNE, that's actually what we sell. From a service standpoint, we service absolutely everything that's out there. When it comes to brand names, we service them all. But we'll only sell one. And I can tell you from a maintenance standpoint, technologically, as well as maintenance and repair, we see a whole lot more problems with other manufacturers than we do Kohler, which is the whole reason why we only carry one brand. Well, and they've they've been in that marketplace for a lot of years, haven't they? They have, yes. Yep, they've been around for quite a well for a long time, and that's what we've actually been in the generator business for over twenty five years, and that's been pretty much the only company that we have ever carried, just because of their longevity, how long the generator lasts, the amount of maintenance that goes into it, rather than getting a couple years out of components you're getting a whole lot more time just because it's a better better built machine. Now, are most of these generators run off propane or natural gas? What are you seeing, guys, as the most popular, David, type of fuel source for? From a residential side, it's, it's either propane or natural gas. Okay. I'd say it's probably about a 50-50 between the two. And really, it kind of depends on what's most convenient for the customer. 
Do they already have a gas tank? Do they already have propane? Are they using it for a fireplace? Are they using it for heating or their oven or whatever the case may be? So I'd say it's about 50-50 on those two. Okay. Now, Mike, David talked about that transfer switch. How hard is it to install that after the fact? As Contrast that for me, new construction versus an existing home. New or existing home, it really, there really isn't a, a plus or a minus. Mm. To be honest with you, the installation is not that difficult, whether it's a new installation or an existing installation. With the existing, you know, there's more planning involved because you're looking at what can I do to keep the installation cost down, such as the gas supply. Where is that? Where's your service coming into your house at? And you want to try to look at all that and put it together to where you're staying close to those utilities to keep that installation cost down. You know, a friend of mine, it's an excavator, recently was doing a pad, maybe one project you guys were working on, a pad for someone's backup generator, a house. And he made a comment to me that it was running off propane and the propane tank had to be a certain distance from the generator. What is that requirement? So if I want to put one of those in the back of my house, I have to think about space issues. I got to put this generator somewhere. I got to put a propane tank. What's the distance requirements that these things have to be away from each other? That actually varies on the tank size, and it can vary from county to county to city regs. I can tell you every single time it's a different set of rules and regs. I don't know if that's the same way for you, Mike, or not, but I know for us, that's where we draw the line from the gas side. When we do an installation, we'll make recommendations as far as, well, hey, are you already using a specific company to provide your propane or LP? And we will make recommendations to talk to the gas company. We won't deal with the hookup side of it. And the the only reason why is because it varies so drastically from city to city, county to county, state to state, and all of the changing regulations. We want the people who are experts to do the right thing. So on that end, that's... That's the gas supplier's warehouse, whether it's your local gas utility or a propane company. They're the ones going to call that shot. Correct. Okay. So they know the rules and the regulations as to work. I mean, you guys are going to install the generator. Mike's going to hook it up. And then the gas company is going to determine how close that tank can be to that generator based on their local regulations. We're usually working in tandem, all three parties, we'll say, at the same time as far as installation from our standpoint, which would be setting the pad if that's how the customer chooses to go. For example, we carry a pre-poured pad as opposed to having someone come out and pour a pad depending on the size of the generator. Most residentials are able to fit on a pre-poured concrete pad, which of course saves a lot of cost and a lot of headache. With the gas too, I might add, the location of the gas, there's some other crucial issues that come up as well, like windows, the vents, crawl space vents and things like that, that, you know, we've got to adhere to as far as code and whatnot to stay, you know, away from those ventilation places that the generator is not exhausting back into the structure as well. Yeah. Last thing you want to do is have the generator exhausting and then something suck it and back into the house. Got it. Got it. Now I'm assuming, is this a correct assumption that if I have natural gas service at my house, 
I should use a natural gas generator, not a propane. Is that a safe assumption to say? Yeah, I would agree with that as well. I mean, it just, just seems to me to be common sense that if it's there at your house, and I guess there's other mitigating circumstances that could predicate that. But tell me a little bit about what's a typical size house, David, that you see that you need? What size generator is needed for kind of your typical, say, 2,000 square foot home? Sure. Well, again, it depends on what the customer is actually needing. As far as our sizes, we are usually, I would say, 90% of the time, we're going with a 20 kilowatt generator. At times, if it's something much smaller or the customer says, we're really not wanting everything that's on the house. We only need this section of the house. We only want HVAC and certain receptacles or something like that. We may be able to downsize it to something smaller, like a 14 kilowatt generator. But I would say on average, it's about a 20 kW. Okay. Now, how big is a 20 kW generator? Like, Give me an example. What size would that be? Dimensionally, it is... It's about the size of a dorm fridge laying on its side, I'm thinking in my mind. or is that It's a big? little bit larger than a dorm fridge. I'd say it would be in between a dorm fridge and... I can actually give you a dimensions if you give me a second. Sure. Go ahead, man. The exact dimensions are 47 inches by 26 inches by 32 inches. Oh, okay. That's for a 20 kW. And yeah. to piggyback off of what Mike was saying regarding load shed, most of really what we recommend as far as transfer switches, average home is 200 amp transfer switch. And the modern technology with Kohler, which is an RXT for anyone who's interested, that's the particular type of model. It already comes with preset or pre-existing load shed capabilities. Oh, so it's already installed in it. So then based upon where you put the breakers in procession or in order, more or less allows that to indicate which breakers or which chosen or designated power usage takes precedence over one. Now, where do you see the need going in the future? You know, I can remember years ago when I was looking at this, I don't know if it's just because the media tells us this is happening or if it really is happening. You know, it's so hard to separate fiction from reality today. Are we really, it seems like we're experiencing more instances of power outages. Am I wrong on that, guys? I mean, what, what, and what are the reasons? If that's the case, why do you think that is? David, any idea from your perspective? From our perspective, I can't necessarily say that there is an increase. I would say that the awareness, or I wouldn't call it fear, but it is basically an awareness of the necessity or what people deem as necessities, I think have really heightened like we keep going back to the customer, each individual customer has their own set of needs that they deem as essential. And I even think part of that has to do with the internet. You think back five or 10 years, we weren't doing everything on the internet, like shopping and buying and purchasing and having things delivered where now that has become such a way of life that that implies or to some of our customers, that is as essential as eating or breathing. So 
their priorities are the internet because that provides their food, their ability to maintain life. And that all deems back to electricity. Yeah. Mike, what do you think? I too echo what David said. I, I don't, I don't see that there's a whole lot of mass power outages or a more of them but going off of what we read, what we see, what we hear, you know, it, it comes down to what do I need or what don't I need? And I think that's driving a lot of it right now too. I think David hit a really good point is maybe it's not happening more frequently, but our needs have really shifted. You know, I, our kids are the ones that couldn't live without internet service and cell phones five years ago. Well, now we're the ones that can't live without internet service and cell phones. You know, like you said, David, we're ordering our meals, we're ordering our groceries, we're ordering our household supplies, everything through the internet. And, you know, you take the events with COVID, I venture to say, I bet there's a lot more people doing critical work out of their homes now working remotely than what used to be when they went to an office building that the whole building had a backup generator. And now there might be 500 employees. Well, gosh, a certain amount of those people need to be accessible and need to be able to do their work, don't they? And, you know, I kind of always, I was thinking about this actually last night. I was thinking about this podcast, David, because for a lot of folks that don't know, it's Apparatus Repair and Engineering is a, gosh, that is an old company, David. How old are we talking we're well over 50 years. I know yeah. prior to ARNE, it used to be M&L Electric. So. Yeah, and really a neat, neat business in the sense that what they do is they, you manufacture, service, and wind electric motors, and it makes it sound like I know what, I know what they do when I said that, which I really don't because I'm pretty much clueless, but I'm fascinated when I go there and watch them. And one thing I was thinking, I was passing a Tesla last night, and I was thinking to you, David, I thought, no, wait a minute. A lot of these electric cars have electric motors in them now. Oh, absolutely. You know, one of my concerns is, okay, what's going to be the impact on the grid when we plug in a lot more of these vehicles over the next five to 10 years? So maybe we're not having power outages now, but boy, it might get crazy all of a sudden when our transportation is a critical part of the electric grid, isn't it? It could definitely affect things. Yeah. And then I started thinking, well, wait a minute is the grid strong enough to handle all this? But number two, are there enough companies like ARE that can fix these motors as they start breaking? <laughs> we will definitely do our best to keep things rolling. We'll see. That's a good problem to have, right? <laughs> That's right. That's an interesting question, Jeff, because, you know, I, I think it goes outside of what, what we're discussing here today with generators and such, but generators still being a part of that fix with battery storage exactly really advancing right now as we as we speak but but then again like i said it's still the generator technology and the battery technology all in one with the electrical installation to assist in that problem mike how much more complex is it you know because you know we have the tesla power walls and i'm the polar you know and generac those companies have their own battery systems now too as competitors how much more difficult is it for the consumer if they're going to put a generator, also put a backup battery as well as part of it? Because I see some of them are advertising that on their websites. Is that more involved with the electrical? It is because it ties in a whole other subject that I was mentioning. It ties in solar too. It's part of it. So it's much more involved. 
much more. I would think so. It seems to me like the whole idea in a way of solar, battery, and generator power in some ways actually need to be coordinated and go hand in hand. Because, you know, now getting back to the generator point, David, if I'm correct, these things have systems that are timers that they kick on every so often to make sure they function, correct? Correct. We, well, I can tell you that there is a setting in the generator that it will actually exercise the generator once a week. Oh, kind of like us. Yep, exactly. (laughs) It'll run for about 20 minutes and it's really making sure that everything is functional and working within the generator. Again, adding on to the technological advances, there's communications options within the generator that every time your generator kicks on, you can be notified on your cell phone or via email, letting you know what the status is on the generator, that it is running, and that everything's functional. If that changes and there's something wrong, then again, you're notified via email or on your cell phone. So somebody has a second home in a hurricane-prone area. There's a technology there literally from their phone that they can help control the backup power at that property. Absolutely. In addition to the weekly exercises, we recommend a biannual maintenance, which would include one of those two, basically inspection or a complete overhaul where we'll take out the oil filter and any fuel filters, change the oil, etc., that's something that we recommend at least on an annual, if not biannual basis. Okay. Mike, from an electrical standpoint, once you do the transfer switch, get it installed. Is there any real follow-up service that's needed from an electrical standpoint as it relates to the generator? Not necessarily, no. Maybe some checks on the connections and such over time, but and I don't know what other than the filters and stuff that David and them have in their maintenance agreements. I don't know if they have something like that involved in that or not. David can elaborate on that more, but for our perspective on the trend, no, there isn't much more to worry about unless there's additional loads or they want to change a load or something like that on how it's all set up and installed originally. Okay. Two questions that I think of when I think of a generator and we'll take them one at a time. We'll start with the easiest one first. How loud are these things, David? <laughs> and and what, what can we do to mitigate the noise if there is? As a matter of fact, the technology, again, has really advanced, I would say, over probably the last two years. There are, I wouldn't say soundproofing, but we'll call it sound muffling inside the generator. So the generator is inside an enclosed housing, and within that housing are sound absorbers. Oh. You're going to hear it very similar to a car running. I mean, it's going to be a little louder than a car and you're going to hear it when it kicks on, but it isn't deafening in any way, shape or form. Well, and you know, if everyone's power is out and you're the one with the power on, that's just another way you can rub it into your next door neighbors, right? That, you that know, is true. That you're up and running, you know. The sound of lots of friends. That's right. <laughs> you're getting lots of house gas, right, Mike? Right. <laughs> Correct. So that once a week that you exercise the generator, is that something that you predetermine on a schedule that you can make sure, hey, you know, last thing you do, you don't want this happening at two in the morning. You want Exactly. This, you know. That's something that when we come over for, we call it a startup where it's beginning the, the process, we are able to warrant the generator and begin the warranty process, which I can tell you is a five-year plan with Kohler. That's something we do every single time we do a startup. 
And we also do an instructional portion with the homeowner as well. We will preset the time that is best appropriate for the customer. And that may be, you know, they don't want to hear it at all. So they're going to do it on Monday morning at 9 a.m. because they're not home or whatever the case might be. Now, the next question will make this the hard one. I'll throw it to Mike first. Cost. What's a cost from an electrical standpoint, Mike, to hook up a generator? And I imagine it's probably, is it agnostic as to the size of the generator or does it vary? No, it, it varies depending on, you know, what, what the needs are and how much is involved as far as location, like we talked about earlier. But the installation itself is really not that unbearable. It's a fair price. It's, it's reasonable. And of course, the generator is probably the biggest cost of the installation. And then and again, that's depending on the size. Gotcha. David, what's a typical generator install cost? Well, I can tell you that again varies depending on the size of the transfer switch and on the size of the generator, what kind of transfer switch you're going with. And that can vary drastically. I can tell you to give you a ballpark number, usually when we're, especially when we're working with MEC, it usually will consolidate it all into one bill. And I would say on average, it's around 10,000, give or take. And again, it varies so much on how far away is the generator from the gas tank or how far is the generator from the breaker system or there's so much that can vary. But in a ballpark kind of way, you're looking at $10,000. What things, Mike, if someone was looking to you know, to get a generator here in closing, what do you think, what are the things they should think about? What kind of tips from the trade would you give someone as a homeowner if they're looking at installing a generator at their house? A couple of things I would point out is location. Where do they think they want it? And again, there's a, there's some things that we have to take into consideration, such as windows and vents, other utilities that are close by and whatnot, depending on the municipality or the uh, jurisdiction that we're working with. The other thing is, is the groundwork, you know, it's going to take some groundwork or how are we going to get it to that pad that they wanted on? I can share from experience, David and I, ARE and MEC put one in several years ago down in Poolsville area and actually had to double the doors off the back of the, the gentleman's garage and took it from the garage doors to the backyard where he wanted it. So it, every one of them are unique in their own way. So, you know, those are a couple things that I would point out. And as far as the transfer switch goes, there's got to be space next to the panel board in, in the existing home. If it's a new home, that can be kind of laid out and, you know, all the dimensions are known prior to. So all in all, not a whole lot, just a couple little cosmetic things and do's and don'ts that we can't, can't do and can do. So most of it's really relating to location. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Meditation, that's another big part. You know, sometimes people want them tucked in between some trees or some shrubbery and, and we can't really do We got to clear the shrubbery or whatnot to get the, the ventilation around the, the equipment itself. So that's all, all plays a part. David, how about from your perspective, when people think of looking at a generator, what are the things they should really consider? The things that, that we see and really question with our customers to make sure that we're all on the same page is determining what they're looking for, what size are they looking for. Again, we talk about sizing up the generator. 
both in commercial and in residential, it happens more frequently than I care to mention that the customer thinks that they want this done. And then we order the correct size generator. Just like Mike was saying, it's happened before that we've gotten all the way to installing the generator. And then they, they tell us, well, actually, we want to add this and this and this. And then we're oversizing. The generator is not large enough to fulfill what they're wanting. So then we're back to the drawing board of making sure that everything is sized properly. So that would be one of the big things that I would say, if you're actually looking into buying a generator, make sure that we're all understanding the same communication as far as how large of a generator, what exactly are you wanting to cover? As Mike talked about sizing, whether it's a new home build or an already existing home, from our standpoint, it really doesn't vary as far as the work aspect of it or the cost or expense. What we do see often is finding the space and location and where it's going to go and making sure that that's convenient for the customer. Sometimes we have customers that will want a generator put in a certain place and that's just not geographically possible. Again, going back to the I recommend the best thing, and this is really where we work so well with MEC in coming out for a site visit. And that, that's free. So we're able to look at the dimensions. We're able to look at the sizing. We're able to look at exactly what the customer's talking about. Then we're able, as two organizations, we're able to provide an accurate quote so that they understand the cost and expense. Or if there's options, then it's up to the customer to determine, well, is this worth the extra $1,000 to locate the generator in this area as opposed to a more convenient location? I'll add to what David was talking about here as far as the meeting with the customer. If you're thinking about installing a generator, call either one of us. The estimates are free. We would love to come out and talk to you about that and go over what you're after and gather the information like David was referring to and have us both be a part of that at the table to come up with a solid plan, ask the questions to the customer that need to be asked and get the feedback that we need to hear or not hear and, and determine what, what's best for them. Good advice. Now, if somebody is outside our service area, you know, one of our 32 regular listeners in our squadcast, believe it or not, is in New Zealand. <laughs> So, is there any kind of your van get there, Jeff? <laughs> no, it can get there, Mike. But there's a shipping okay. log right now. <laughs> can't get on the container in Long Beach. <laughs> Actually, you probably can get on the container. Just nothing can get off the containers in Long Correct. Beach right now, right? Um, if someone you know is outside the area, is there a source? I mean, obviously, Kohler probably has a website, but is there some source where someone can go to look and say, who has experience of installing generators? From Kohler's website, I can tell you that there is an area that you can go in and find out who the listings are. And I can also tell you, if you plug in your information on Kohler.com, they will actually find and notify whoever the local dealer is for Kohler. Oh, okay. And they will give you a lead saying, hey, this customer is interested in finding out what, what a generator would cost. And then from 
are like just in this area, we receive leads through Kohler, letting us know that a particular individual or family or business is interested in finding out what there is to learn about a generator. Did you see any of those bump up after the Texas storms at all? Absolutely. I can tell you, we have seen a huge increase, I would say, primarily since December. Interesting. Uh, December, January, and then huh. really in February. Yeah, that's interesting. For folks that are listening outside the area, I mean, feel free to call us. We can help with that as well. Be more than happy to help. Look somebody up, maybe make a phone call for them. Absolutely. Be asked to help them make that decision as well. Good. We appreciate that. Well, you guys have been really gracious with your time today. In closing, each of you just want to let... David, if somebody wants to get in touch with you and more information about Apparatus Repair and Engineering, what's the best way for them to reach you? The best way would be to reach us via phone, which would be 301-739-8285. And just let us know you're inquiring about a generator and they will probably transfer your call directly to me. Great. Great, David. Mike, how about you and MEC? What's the best way for people to reach out to you? For us, we would recommend a phone call and that number is 301 301- 739-2000, or you can look us up on our website at www.mec-electrical.com or Facebook or Yelp. Great. Great, man. Well, you guys have been awesome and very gracious with your time. You know, it's something that I got a feeling that people are going to be taking more interest in in the future, you know, and well, the future is here now, right? The future is now. I know what they say. So... I really appreciate your time today, guys, and hopefully you've gotten something out of this as well, and I really appreciate you spreading your expertise. Hey, thank you very much, Jeff. Thank you. Great. And in closing today, if you have any other ideas on future podcast content, feel free to reach out to me at podcast at plan2retire.com, and it's plan and the number 2 retire.com. And in absence of that, you know, I hope you have a wonderful day. And remember, as we always say at Plan to Retire, if you're not doing your planning, someone is doing it for you. Thank you for tuning into the Plan to Retire podcast. Head on over to plantoretire.com. That's the number two. So plan the number two retire.com to learn more, schedule a no obligation introductory phone call, or to subscribe to this free podcast on your favorite podcasting platform. We'll see you next time on the Plan to Retire podcast.